Um, but yeah, I mean, as long as you take something away, you know, the whole fail fast, learn from your experiences. I, I think, I think for me, it's been how to learn how to experiment safely, maybe like yeah. the way that you do, like in marketing, for example, where you test a B split test something with, it's almost like a, like a stop loss is in place, like yeah. properly plan your experiments. So instead of dropping you know, a hundred thousand dollars into a thing that like, I don't have product market fit on. I would do a little bit better thinking about, I need to sell two, three, four, five of these before I make any consideration about how I'm going to invest to scale it. So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder why didn't they teach me in school? anything about how to manage money. I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome back to Money Talkers with your host, Cody Laughlin. I have David Ledgerwood. He is better known as The Ledge. But uh, he is uh, he he has had a long career um, in building and co-founding as a managing partner at Ad One Zero, uh, but throughout his career has done you know thirty five million dollars in sales, no big deal, right? And uh, he's an expertise in selling software and services. Um, he helps companies grow into seven figures. Uh, has done well over two hundred podcasts, but you know, and as we we're just talking offline, found out got almost a basketball team of kids at the home and so uh we're gonna dig, dig into that as well and uh and, and a bunch of other things that, as his uh his zone of genius is in the um software space as well so uh with that said ledge welcome to the show it's so good to be here thanks cody man uh so i don't even know where to jump in with you because i usually try to come out of the gate pretty quick but um tell me uh about your experience in in the evolution right now of, of with selling software uh and services and where you see you know where, where you started with and where you see it going right now sure yeah i became interested in technology you know a long time ago sort of the first um, internet bubble you know coming out of college and everything was boom boom in 99 it was awesome and you know everybody could get these really cool jobs and of course, then it all fell apart and you know, we were all unemployed a little while and then, you know, sort of stumbled back into Internet 2.0. But, you know, man, I, I was a coder originally and I just thought, like, this is fascinating. You know, I, and in fact, I still to some extent, I still miss kind of just sitting in front of a computer and writing code. It was it was elegant. You know, I always thought of it as like poetry almost. So I'm trying to get my kids into, you know, doing code. We got the bits box sets and all that stuff and just you know i was like guys you got to learn this you know like just learn how to learn how to talk to computers they're easier than talking to, to humans so we'll pick up humans second um but you know from there it just was sort of like i'm really interested in business and uh 
went through a whole bunch of uh, different jobs and trying to, you know, figure out what, what to do and, and got into consulting. And I thought that was interesting. I love talking about other people's businesses and then I really wanted to start my own. So, um, I had a, I had an experience where I, I was in downtown Manhattan on, on nine 11 and, and we were very close in our building to, you know, the world trade center. It was sort of like a near death type of, uh, experience, you know, that just like, wow, you know, I don't want to, I hate my job and I don't want to die under a desk, you know, doing something I, I hate. So uh, then I, you know, I sort of did some other stuff and eventually in 2007, I just, I walked out of a really good VP of operations type of job that I had. And I said, we're moving to Nashville and we're going to start a consulting company. And that was insane. I mean, looking back now, I, I can't imagine that we made it as long as we did, but uh, we did. And we, we got up to about $40,000 a month of revenue, which at that time is just mind blowing. You know, I'm like, I cannot believe this is actually working. Uh, now we weren't making any profit and we were flushing money down the toilet faster than we were bringing it in the door. But at the time it, it just felt like, you know, things were moving and we were going to raise some money and all that stuff. And, and then it collapsed in 2009. Um, so it went from, from 40,000 a month to $0 a month and, and burned up all like, the cash to the bank. So and, it's, the, it's the reverse Biggie Smalls, like it went from positive to negative. <laughs> right? Yeah, it was ridiculous. I mean, and you kind of like, I, I guess, I guess that, that lesson was important that, you know, like that was my second recession and I've really timed it really well when you, when you look at it. So all, all my adventures have been, tied around complete economic collapse. And I mean, this, all these things are supposed to be the, the greatest collapse of a, of a lifetime or, you know, well, it's worse than a hundred years. Well, it's happened three times now in my 20 years. So, I mean, I, yeah. I, don't we going to get a break here? Please, please don't tell me you started an airline last year. <laughs> no, no, I did not. No, no, I've, I've done Our a little cruise ship. Than... You don't have a cruise ship, right? That's not going. <laughs> things could be worse. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, um, Anyway, yeah, so I just, I got into and I became interested in businesses that were related to technology, but were very human based. So the services part, I always thought was interesting. Implementation, professional services, consulting, you know, just stuff that makes things work. I, I like to know the human and organizational systems that make stuff go. And I just accidentally sort of stumbled into places where I kept having to do that. And then I thought, well, I got to sell this because I got to pay the bills. So then I became the reluctant chief sales officer because somebody had to make money to pay all the people that we were hiring and, and dumb choices that we were making on expenses. And so I did that. And then ultimately I'm like, wow, I'm actually good at selling things. And so I, I focused in on that and I ran sales for some technology companies and we made other people millions of dollars and I learned how to negotiate so I could actually get a couple of pennies out of out of that and all of that came into a playbook that we started our company now which is providing sales sales uh, outsourced sales divisions essentially for you know technology and services companies at B2B and that are in the six digit revenue range that, that kind of are ready to scale up to the that middle seven. So it's really niche. And so I get that that lesson, I think was really important that 
Like we are really specific about what we do and don't do. And you end up turning away a lot of potential money that, but just, it's not the thing. Like that's not what we do. And um, I think that lesson was, was huge. So just enjoy working with entrepreneurs, people that are growing their businesses. I, uh, we were talking before we got on that, you know, just the uh, two or three MBAs in, in doing it the wrong way will will help you seem like a little bit of a luminary and i always tell people like this is not wisdom this this is a collection of doing it wrong so experience. many times yeah it's, <laughs> it's not just wisdom like, it's experience right <laughs> it's just pattern recognition of like i guarantee you when you do that it's going to end poorly and here's how i know because i tried three times you know or, or more and like this this thing that you're experiencing is a sign of these particular variables and again, I don't know that because I'm smart. I know that because I did it wrong just more times than you. <laughs> so it's, it's humbling. You know, I, I think it's interesting. We're talking mostly with, you know, parents and entrepreneurs, because I always say that, you know, like startup is the hard, doing a startup is the hardest thing that I have ever done, except parenting. And <laughs> you know, parenting is, is the hardest thing. And I call, I call my kids my organic startups, you know, just to... <laughs> keep my vocabulary aligned. So <laughs> that is like the, uh, the most coder way to say that. Just say, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, so, uh, man, that's, there's a lot in there. Um, you know, that, that we can kind of dive into, I was kind of taking some notes as we were, we were going through that, but you know, we, you, you just kind of mentioned about like how the startup is so hard, but parenting so hard. And it's also, I feel like it's cause there's just really so many variables. There's no manual to either one of them. Right. And, uh, but there are clues that get left behind by successful people. And that's really one of the part of the, about the show, um, is that, you know, I try to pull the curtain back to say, Hey, look, you know, we're all in this boat together. Uh, well, actually I could use it. We're all, we're all in it together. Right. Isn't that COVID saying right now? Um, and so, uh, but, <laughs> um, which Verizon just told me why I was on hold for two hours yesterday that we're, we're all in this, this we're all in this together. So we don't have as many staff, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, y'all work remote, <laughs> long tangent. So anyway, what I wanted to ask you though, is that, so you, one of the parts you mentioned in there um, is that you were consulting knowing that you wanted to open your own business, but you were consulting business owners, not having that experience. So how did you pull that off? Like what, what, how did you get as a, con, as a, how did you be a consultant without having this, the pieces that we just talked about knowing the three way, you know, I, I know, I know three ways not to do it because I've had the experience as a business owner because you've taken that leap of faith. And so how do you, I, I'm curious as what your, what your viewpoint was as the consultant and then the other side of it, what your viewpoint was as the entrepreneur. The answer is looking back, I would have laughed at me too. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is that you don't, I mean, you think, you know, things back when I, I had hair and less, you know, less of a gray beard. And, and I remember being told, I don't know, we were 29, 30 or something when we, you know, did the work and we would try to sell to executives. We were doing organizational development, team building, leadership, team development. And in a sense, we did have a lot of experience because we had been doing that type of work with youth for 20 years, you know, so we, we did it since we were teenagers. We were really good at what we did. We knew organizational dynamics. We were well-schooled in that, but uh, I quickly learned from the marketing perspective that there was something to be said for appearing to, essentially it was like reverse ageism. Like you can't possibly know this because you have no gray hair. 
<laughs> and we did know how people work together and we thought we were pretty good at it and we did some remarkable results but uh, that was my first lesson in marketing and credibility and branding and it doesn't matter what you actually know it matters what you look like you know and and who you know and building that expert credibility package prior to going out there is really important and uh i had no idea like i would have told you like what's marketing sounds like you know a, a big mess of, like i don't get it you know why would you want to convince people of things like they, they should just buy it you exist you're you're amazing you're awesome um so i guess that that lesson in itself was do I recommend young people with not a lot of experience, even if you're actually good at the thing, do you go out and start your own consulting practice? That's probably not the way I would go. Um, and in fact, I just, I did another interview and I just wrote a big article about, listen, don't go like, I know you're interested in startups. Don't do your first thing just by doing a startup, go work with startups, work with entrepreneurs, let, that experience flow into you actually listen take advice don't be the young arrogant founder because you just you don't know all the things and i wish that i could go back and slap around my myself and i can think of different paths no i don't resent the path right like i'm glad i did it man i learned some things but it was expensive <laughs> and if That's you a, could learn on somebody else's <laughs> dollar, you might really want to do that. Spend a few years working in a startup because you don't know what you don't know. Um, but I see a lot of young founders doing exactly what I did. And I go, maybe that's the path. Maybe that's just the way it's done. You know, learning by experience is expensive. And um, now I'm the old guy like rattling the tree and like, really, really don't do that. Like, that's a horrible <laughs> idea. Yes. <laughs> the problem I think with is that you you have to have some of the you have to have some of that bravado right to to take the leap and not do the safe path in the first place. Yeah. But it's also it's a very fine line of I can accomplish anything and I'm going to make this work versus. I need to be able to be humble enough to listen to people. And I think that was one of the biggest lessons that I learned was because I had early, early success and it took off like a rocket. I, at, at some point it turned in my mindset that I no longer needed other people's advice because I was doing better than they had done. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, and it became, you know, unless you were doing better than me, you couldn't tell me how to do it. Right. And so, and, and, and looking back, that was by far one of the biggest mistakes that I've ever made in my life was, and maybe I need, and I tell people this, like I needed it. I needed the scar that I got right at the time because it just, I, I wasn't willing to be, I wasn't humble enough. I needed to be humble. Like it was not going to go at some point it was going to blow up. It just blew up when it did. It was just some point down the road, it was going to blow up too. So, you know, because, and I look back as a reflection was because everybody has a piece to advice to, to think of and to, and, to, and to be valuable in the conversation of the input of life, because we all have experiences, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'd like, I would recommend always go to somebody and just say, like, here's what I'm seeing. Tell me what I'm missing. Yeah, what, absolutely. What would you think if you were in this? What, what about this? What about that? What, what things am I blinded to? Or, you know, and that's where I, I never really made a, uh, I don't know what people would say, like an advisory board, find people 10 years past you who, who 
did what you think you're doing and, <laughs> and ask them and spend the time and, and uh, build accountability mechanisms because even if you're 95% right, you have enough cracks that it's going to fail under certain pressure. Uh, points. So, I mean, my example being like, just like yourself, like around that 2008, 2009, just absolutely collapsed. But I learned a lot, you know, we lost everything. And I was in debt for years and trying to figure that out. And um, <laughs> yep. now having my my third calamitous, you know, having started, we started this business September 2019. And, you know, heading into now, again, the greatest economic collapse of our lifetime for the third time, but we're in a great cash position That's because we knew that like I have had the experience where I can go to $0 of revenue overnight. And I don't believe that's impossible anymore. Like the first time. So now we have 60 days of cash in the bank all the time and we're frugal and we understand that um, tomorrow's revenue is, you know, not guaranteed. And without that experience, I, I wouldn't have done that. I would have pushed the envelope on spending. So. Yeah, that was, a, that's a big takeaway because, um, you know, we've been in what the 10, 12, what do we have? 10, 11 years of bull market. Things are great. You know, business is expanding. We're U.S. expanding, markets expanding all this stuff. And so all I ever see anybody talk about as young entrepreneurs is revenue, right? Revenues or uh, what you'd call the profit and loss statements, right? How much money are you making? What I found out in those times and what I found out as being and in walking into thousands of businesses as a commercial banker in those times, the ones that were thriving were worried about their balance sheet, right? They worried about what cash do they have? How much are their payables? What are their receivables? Are they, uh, are they, are they staying ahead? Are they making tough decisions today based on the balance sheet in case something happened, like you mentioned, 60 days from now. And those people were ready for opportunities right? Because they show up when there's more, more millionaires are made in recessions than they are in bull markets, right? Because people are, are, are able to capitalize and grab market share or real estate or whatever you want to, whatever the asset is, you can do it better in a, in a recession because there's a lot more opportunities because you have desperation of people that haven't, don't have a strong balance sheet. And that was a big takeaway for me was that I didn't, I didn't ever want to be in that position again. And now looking back, like, you know, I always laugh because people are like, well, would you change it? I'm like, no, not now. I learned all these great lessons and now I can talk about it and it's fantastic. Ask me then. Absolutely. I don't want to do it again. I don't want to be in this position. It sucks. It's awful. And so I, I find as, as entrepreneurs that one of the biggest words that I find is resiliency. And I hear that in your stories. And it, but it's also, you know, it's a little bit more of just not only can I get knocked down and get back up, but can I get up smarter than I was when I got knocked down? You have to wonder at some point, there's a blurry spot between resiliency and, you know, sort of just stupidity, but <laughs> I was going to say idiocy, but yeah, idiocy. <laughs> that's the same thing. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. I, I'm too bullheaded to let go. Um, but yeah, I mean, as long as you take something away, you know, the whole fail fast, learn from your experiences. I, I think I think for me, it's been how to learn how to experiment safely, maybe like yeah. the way that you do like in marketing, for example, where you test a B split test something with it's almost like a like a stop loss is in place, like yeah. properly plan your experiments. So instead of dropping 
you know, a hundred thousand dollars into a thing that like, I don't have product market fit on, I would do a little bit better thinking about, I need to sell two, three, four, five of these before I make any consideration about how I'm going to invest to scale it. And if I see any, any mistake that I think a lot of entrepreneurs make, and I did as well, it's just going all in on a thing that you haven't proven that, that you can sell, <laughs> you know? And so, um, well, let's say I hear a lot of people talk about, they're going to take their side hustles to be businesses and yeah. they're like, well, I, I, I always kind of, my advice is if you can't make your side hustle work, then you probably aren't like, if you, if you're, if you're annoyed with the things you have to do in a side hustle, you're not going to like being an entrepreneur. Right. Because it's like, it's, yeah. it's, it's a magnifying glass, you know, it's a multiplier of the headaches that you think you have as a side hustle. The entrepreneur is, is, is always problem solving and having to see three dimensional, you know, and, and, and I feel like it's an excellent trainer and, and mindset to be able to, you know, be able to scale something, like you said, unless you've proven it out a little bit, you know, and there's nothing wrong with doing anything as a side hustle, especially as I think right now, as we're talking to parents with kids, like I would encourage them to try as many side hustles as they can try. Yeah. Right. Go find out what you don't know because it's, it's the best experiential piece without a lot of the risk. Yeah. Like I want to give, you know, I'll tell my, my kids like, let's listen, you want to learn about business? Fine. Come up with an idea and I'll, I'll help you do that thing. Now I know like, well, okay, here's all the stuff you're going to run into, but I want them to experience that. So we yeah. might say, you know, Hey, listen, let's put 200 bucks into the thing you just said and see what happens. And then, but I want to learn from it. And I think that making smaller bets is yeah. wise, smaller lessons with distinct price tags on them. And it's because I didn't have that. Right. So I just went out, I'm going to start a company and, you know, like <laughs> I, I make, I make literally $0, you know, I, I mean, it, it's just insane. And let's just start, burning up money and make a company and it's too easy now, you know? Yeah. And I think like, even then it was too easy. So you can make a company, you can make a business, but you're really just playing house because like, if you don't have a thing you can sell and deliver on repeat, at least in the services realm, you know, I see a lot of, there's a lot of interesting product businesses, you know, sub subscription-based business, obviously that's the thing I would try to do from home. Yeah. Now that's not as easy as everybody wants you to believe either you know, drop shipping, whatever you name, your <laughs> name, your scam, you know, I've, I've tried them all. And I can say that in, invariably you're talking about a business underneath and um, it's not as easy as you think, but um, well, yeah, so let's, I guess, let's talk I guess about that. When you, when you get into, and you're, you know, cause I, we talked offline, you've got five kids. I think you said ranging mm -hmm. from about like eight to 14, right? Mm -hmm. uh, three girls, two boys. And um, as, as your as you're, cause you've got kind of a wide range there. So you've got elementary to basically getting ready for high school or maybe in high school. And, uh, they obviously year to year have very different thought patterns and things that they think about and questions and challenges and stuff. And so, um, and then also you have, I'll find a lot of times with entrepreneurs, they usually have an entrepreneurial kid, but not all of them. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. So they're like, and it's, it's a little difficult sometimes for us as entrepreneurs to say, because we want to foster that, you know, don't you want to go chase this thing? And for some kids, it's not, it's not, and they made down the road, like some, like yourself, you said you're a coder, right? Yeah. That doesn't generally mean you're going to transfer into sales. Like those are two, usually you're coding because the personality types is, a, you know, uh, and, and not nearly geared as the, the chaser, as the, as the sales guy. Right. Yeah. 
And, um, and it's amazing that you've been able to pull both of those gamuts off because you probably have a different perspective. But what I'm, my question is, is that as you have this kind of wide variety in the household and as you've been a serial entrepreneur as well, um, how do you translate that as you're talking to each one of your, like, how do you translate that and, and kind of customize it with those kids? Well, it's all about, you know, the money talker, right? Like, so any choice that you're making effectively, I think I look at it as like, you are your own little business, right? Now you might want to go and be a doctor. Cool. Let's look at what the investment would be for that. You know, like we've got to go to a lot of school, nine years of school. It's going to cost you $350,000. Okay. You know, how much are you going to make after that? And you try to just break it down into like realistic discussions. But I mean, don't we all have a P&L and a cash flow statement and a, you know, it's, it's just money. You're still running the individual business of you. So I, I maybe just demystify that, you know, in, in the context that, that they're interested in. Uh, my kids did a fun thing over, we were all stuck in the house for COVID like everybody else for months. And they came up with this idea. They wanted to do Google slide presentations on the TV where they would each make their own presentation of my future life. And it was really cool. And then they That's put awesome. together all these slides and they walked through what they were going to do. And, you know, two of them want to be a, a photographer and one wants to be a heart surgeon or whatever. And, you know, and, and you kind of go, and then here's where I'm going to live and here's the house I'm going to buy. And it's, it's funny because, you know, it's a $9 million mansion in Aspen. And, Dream big little ones. And, and I'm going to be a photographer, <laughs> you know, so, okay, cool. Let's talk about you know, how are you going to, how are you going to put together, you know, money being a photographer, you're going to have to be a really famous photographer. How, how will you make sure you can sell your pictures? Oh, well, I'm going to do this and that. And like, okay. And you just kind of keep asking questions. And um, I don't know, you know, eight, nine, 10 times later, you know, you kind of go, huh, that's not going to work because, you know, like it's, it's missing two zeros. So, you know, <laughs> let's use that as a math lesson. And, um, but no, but I love hey, the fact you know? that you're asking open-ended questions though. Mm -hmm. Right. And you're not saying, no, you can't buy a $9 million house. If you're a photographer, your words right. are, because I believe I, I strongly believe in the power of the positioning of the words that we use. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you didn't say, no, you can't be a photographer and buy a $9 million house. You said, okay, if you're going to be a photographer and you want to buy a $9 million house, how are you going to do it? Mm -hmm. That's totally different. That's right. a, that's a very different aspect of the way that is because as people are listening now, it's, it's a very different presentation to your kids of walking them through and don't say it's a bad idea. It's a dumb idea. You can't do that because I feel like we, we, our, our nature is to do that so that they can just get the experience that we know better and da, 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 right. I think a lot of times with parents, so we, we have that kind of conundrum, but like if you change your mindset of like, okay, when they have ideas and businesses or Google slides or whatever it is, if you turn that around and say, you know, all right, well, how are we going to do this? Like, so let's, because that's what entrepreneurs have to do. You have to start with a goal and say, how do I get there? Yeah, I, right? <laughs> I think that's true. Yeah. And I, I would encourage people maybe to think about uh, one of my long working theories is, you know, your, your maturity as an entrepreneur is, you know, directly proportional to the numbers of zeros you can ask for without feeling sick. And I like that my kids are able to conceptualize you know, X million dollars instead of a hundred dollars. 
you know, that I, I think that that's neat because that's, that's sort of pre-engaging that part of the brain that says, you know, hey, a billion dollars is a lot of money. Cool. But maybe a million, nine million, 10 million, you know, like that's, a, that's a thing that we should think about. And, and uh, that's attainable under circumstances. It, it, it is funny though, because stuff they come out with later, you're kind of like, wow, that's not what I said at all. You know, <laughs> Some, somebody somehow got the idea that, you know, daddy makes a million dollars a year. I'm like, <laughs> that'd be awesome. Um, but, you know, let's not go say that at school because if I said I made a million dollar sale, like, let's talk about commission here. <laughs> you know, you're walking away from the bake sale. They're like, Mr. Ledge only bought six brownies. Makes <laughs> a million dollars a year. She, I, my kid says that he makes a million a year and he can't afford a dozen cookies. Or what, yeah. you know? So he should build a wing of the school. You know? So yeah, yeah, it gets away from you a little bit. That's um, funny. Well, I, I, I want to talk about real numbers, though. Do you? Real numbers yeah. about how things cost, right? Yeah. You know, like, here's exactly what a house costs. Here's what a, a car costs. We you were know, talking like, about um, uh, homeowner's insurance the other mm -hmm. night. And my daughter was like, well, what is that? And I explained what insurance was. And I was yep. like, and, uh, and then she was like, well, how much does that cost? You know, and I'm like, oh, it's, ours is about 300 bucks a month. And she's like, that's $3,600. And I'm like, great math, by the way. And then oh. she was like, how do we afford to live? <laughs> you know? And so they just kind of like spark these things. I'm like, you know, when, when I tell you to be appreciative of the things that we have, like, this is kind of what I mean. And she was like, oh, I really had no idea, you know? And so I think there's an opportunity yeah. to, you know, that, that, that fear is not in me. Well, it's still in me just as any parent doesn't want to talk about things like that. But like, I kind of have to, because I'm the money talker guy. So I have to like, you know, massage my way through that and uh i i wonder i want to ask you a question so what entrepreneurial lessons do you take into the household do you see the do you see like running a business and then kind of running a household as being similar yes and i i'll tell you the biggest one i have that my business partner is the operations manager money person like i mean i am literally blessed to get to do selling i sit on calls and i sell things and i come up with like strategic ideas and stuff so it my my point is get a partner that does the opposite things as you because and my wife god bless her is the cfo and the president and you know all the things like i i am the you know once in a while i'll help on the big financial you know i, I calculate and amortize you know the the loan on the car or you know whatever but let's make no mistake that I am not responsible for paying the bills and like making good day-to-day -day little detailed decisions. Um, so I think what I bring home is like, you know, I, the first, this is the first business I've had where I go like, we are finally doing the right things. And part of it is like, I'm not responsible for everything. I know yeah. how to do bookkeeping and accounting and AR and AP. Like I can explain to you every single concept of how every function should work in a business but I am lousy at executing and doing that. And I think finally I, I built the right structure of people to take those things on. So have, have good partners or have good accountability systems. You know, that if have you, anything I bring home is that. <laughs> have you ever read books by Gino Hackman by chance? So there's Trackman. traction, traction, there's right? traction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we and use traction as our EOS for our business. So that, a, that yeah. is the system. Yep. Yeah, I, we, when we implemented that, that's when my business took off like crazy. Mm -hmm. And it was so, I had more time back. We had more, a lot more money in the bank. Like 
that yeah. whole thing. But there's a second book I think called Rocket Fuel where he goes into a lot more about being the um, the integrator and the uh, visionary. Mm-hmm. And so every time I've had a successful business, I've had an integrator. I've yeah, just said, yeah. and I heard that because you just said, well, I know how to do accounting. I know how to do this. I know how to do that. But you're not really, you, you, it's consistency, right? As the, as the, uh, as the visionary. Yeah. 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 And it just piles up and it gets worse and worse. And, and so every time I've had a success out of 14 businesses, I had four pretty successful ones. All four have had an integrator. And it's just, yes. uh, and I've seen that pattern. And, and so it's just, uh, it's interesting to hear you say that because like yep. you said, it's, it's really good at the household to find strengths and kind of, I don't know. Um, I don't want to say like your, your organizational chart, job descriptions or whatever, but like you take care of this, I take care of this. So there's a responsibility to somebody doing something. Sure. Right? And well, I, look and how you design was, a business. Like yeah. you think of the extensive work we do for operating agreements and for like, how's every job description written and all these, and then you just kind of go in the rest of your life, you don't do anything like that. <laughs> and I, I think that that's instructive, you know, like, yeah, just, I think the organization chart could be brought home. The, the personal organization chart could be, uh, could be brought to the house and probably do the same thing it does in business, right? Which is drop the noise uh, and, and give clarity. And, Somebody's uh, supposed to do all these things and yeah. <laughs> we only have this collection of people to do it and we have this much money and <laughs> we could either pay somebody else to do it or we can do it. And, and then you talk about opportunity cost, you know, so um, that's, that's I'm funny. useless yeah. for like home, you know, I can fix your computer. I don't know what to do with cars. I don't, I, every time I try to do a home improvement or, you know, a fix it up or anything, I make it worse. So <laughs> we've just learned that in our family, like we got to pay a repairman for you know, those things, I will not be taking apart the air conditioner, but I can fix, <laughs> I can fix all the laptops and the iPhones. I, and so I live I, in YouTube university. And then my, my rule at my house is I give it a shot first. And then if I break it, or if I go out there and I'm just like dumbfounded, then I call somebody, but I give it, I usually, I don't even, because I've always anymore. been a keyboard guy, right? I've always been. And yeah. so it blows her mind. So my, it blows my wife's mind sometimes that like the stuff that I can do now, because I'm like, well, I just tried it and I watched seven YouTube videos and I don't want the guy who's like, who's selling the product, who's got this really premium like YouTube, you know, channel and it's got this nameplate shooting across. I want the guy who's in like complete mud gear, like, <laughs> you know, like mullet and just is like, let me tell you how to redo a driveway. And I'm like, that's my guy, you know, give me the real stuff. Yeah, I, I, I think someday I have the capacity to do these things. I actually have the interest in learning all those things and doing them but uh time-based you know and opportunity cost of time right now it's like i'm sorry but if i can pay 30 bucks an hour for somebody to do that versus you know making 200 on the phone i should probably you know just give up the ghost (laughs) i think that's a lot of people though so i work at home a lot and i've been kind of semi-retired for two years so i I, this is where my whole growth has been in the last two years is like i can go out and do projects now so yeah, I, I, I would love point. to do that. I, <laughs> I, I would really enjoy doing outdoor work and, you know, I don't know, like landscaping and things, but <laughs> let's just forget it now. <laughs> it's not happening. Well, so I love the name of your company, by the way, I love add one zero, um, you know, because I, I, at first I read it and I was like, oh, this is like a technology company. And then I read it again. and was like, add one zero. Okay. Now I got it. Like add a zero to your, <laughs> to your, to your, uh, revenue streams. Right. And so, um, as you guys are building this, what, what, uh, who should be reaching out to you and, and where do they find you? Sure. Well, add one zero. So ADD one, numeral one Z-E-R-O dot C-O. We don't own the dot com. Yeah, we'll get it eventually. <laughs> and um, 
we are real specific. So if you are a B2B founder, you know, of a services company with a technology flair, you know, you care about technology, you're heavily involved in technology, but really you're a B2B services company. What, what kind or, of services company do you mean? Human heavy we? stuff. So consultancies, professional services, technology companies that have an implementation track. So you have to pay to build out or implement the thing. Agencies, you know, very specific uh, B2B providers, for example, of like specific marketing assets or things like that. Like just service really, you know, it's if I, if I do a thing that is, is human heavy, is not just a straight SaaS play. Yeah. Maybe is the way to think about it. Well, the reason I ask is because it serves people listening. Like, what is the services? What do they mean? So that's why I was asking. Yeah, you yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know, you know, larger professional services firms or, or something like that. Uh, we have a lot of marketing technology types of stuff or, yeah. uh, you know, service provider for business, really. If you sell a B2B thing, you probably know you sell a B2B thing and it probably relates to technology. Um, mm-hmm. But we, we look for founders who have taken it into the mid six figures. They have product market fit. They're successful to a point. We are really excellent at scaling things that work into the millions. We are not a go-to-market person. If you don't have revenue, we'll talk to you and tell you what to go do. But that's not our business. So we want to build scalable revenue systems for those types of companies. That's awesome, man. And there's a big lesson in that, which is identifying your avatar and being and knowing your niche, right? It makes, it yeah. makes, it makes business. You think you, like you said, you're turning away more business, but it's actually better that way because you're, you're serving the people that you can highest serve. Yeah. And if you're like, if you want to tell me the story about how much money you make a month and you're so ready to scale and then we dig in and you actually don't make any money. Like I, I just encourage you to like, at least with us, you can be honest, we won't record and tell anybody about it. But you, you and I were talking about, you know, every, every business is trained now to, to, if not lie, to embellish their, everything's great. You know, I was told by a, I saw a speaker one time and said, if somebody asks you how's business, you just say, it's unbelievable. Because you know? <laughs> it could be unbelievably awful. Uh, and so, okay, fair enough. But, you know, let's all be honest as, as founders. So. Uh, no need to front with us. You can call us and say, if I'm free revenue, I don't know what to do. We actually have a community group where we have founders and, and sales professionals, revenue type people of B2B companies. We get together every two weeks on a Zoom and we just share insights. Uh, we'll have guest speakers, things like that. So we have resources for those things that you're not necessarily our client, but we will you know, we want to try to bring together and, and help that community. So. Awesome, man. Well, keep doing what you're doing, man. I love the, uh, I love the, the, uh, the focus in on this, um, you know, and, and the, the reality now that we, we both kind of learned through our scarring systems of how to, how to handle <laughs> better, better diversity on the, uh, on the economic front. And so I wish you the best of luck. And then thank you so much Les, for coming on Money Talkers with me. It's been awesome. Great conversation. Keep up the good work. I'm gonna make sure we all listen as a fam. Awesome. Thank you for listening to another episode of Money Talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram, at the money talkers 
for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kid's financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker.